Welcome to the I Am Sexy podcast. I'm your host, Ray, and this is a safe space where being vulnerable is the norm and sexy does not equal skinny. I'm here to remind you that beauty begins within, that life is just one big, beautiful mess, and that you, more than anyone else, are worthy of your own love. We're going to equip and empower you to dig deep and find your sexy because sister, you are worth it and you are stunning. Hey babe, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the I Am Sexy podcast. If you haven't already, I would love it if you would leave a review and make sure you subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. These are what help get the podcast out there so that I can continue to serve women just like you. I love this tribe so much and I'd love to connect with you. So come find me over on Instagram at IamSexyTP. Share your screenshots of this episode and let me know what you think. Before we dive into today's guest, I just want to say thank you for tuning in, for your support and for sharing this. Allow me to introduce you to Charlotte Squires. I reached out to Charlotte after knowing her mum from quite a few years ago and I am so honoured that she has taken the time to sit down and get super vulnerable in sharing her story with me and with you. Charlotte comes from a big and beautiful family of six kids. She carries a light and brightness to her that is totally infectious but beyond her beautiful personality and energy, she carries a story that is also so empowering. Charlotte is a cancer survivor, mum to one-year-old Rupert, partner to Jack, doula in training and passionate woman advocate, and she's not even 30. I'm going to leave it at that and let you jump right into the powerful hour that was my chat with Charlotte Squires. Enjoy. Hi Charlotte, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, it's so nice to be here today. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to have you. So uh, let's just jump straight in because there's so much to talk through. So I know, right? First question, uh, what colour underwear are you wearing today? Black. Always black. Yes. I'm a black girl. <laughs> <laughs> Melbourne in. All the way. <laughs> All the way. Through and through. <laughs> Love it. Beautiful. Um, what is your definition of sexy? Oh... It's such a big question. And you know what? If you ask me tomorrow, I might say something different. <laughs> but for me, at this stage of my life, it is about being in flow. Mm. It's trusting the universe. And it is being fully human. And when I say fully human, I mean embracing my ugly and embracing my tears and embracing the joy and embracing that full spectrum of emotion that we get to have as Mm. we are living beings as humans and I yeah I just feel really grateful when I get to have all of it Mm. and I feel yeah incredibly sexy when I'm just me (laughs) yeah that's great so um what is what is the Charlotte journey what is the Charlotte story um, your journey, what do you do? What are you passionate about? Go crazy. All right. So we'll start, I guess for me, it's so natural to include the fact that I was raised in a really big family. Mm-hmm. I'm one of six kids and I have a beautiful mum and dad who 
uh, I think like the most truest version of like the empaths of the world, like truly like <laughs> so true. <laughs> emotional, sensitive human beings and naturally raised six pretty sensitive uh, empaths as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're, we're quite an emotional bunch and, um, but what that has led is, is so much beautiful connection and friendship over the years because we have, um, not being able to not show each other, you know, our hearts on our sleeves. So, um, I, I come from this big family who taught me so much about how important it is to have that community behind you. And mm. naturally all of us went out into the world, made all these little friends and brought them into this family fold. Um, a lot of us are all friends with each other's friends. And, and so it's so awesome whenever us, cool. we, we always, we have, yeah, it's really cool because whenever <laughs> we have a party, it's like, all of my siblings are sitting at the table with all of my friends and then all some of their friends are there too. Like it's so inclusive and beautiful. And I think that's yeah. what um, set such a strong tone for me in my life. Yeah. Um, I, it's really interesting. I, I have a beautiful partner called Jack and he's also from a really big family. And I think naturally our, our, we met quite young and, and he is like the love of my life. He's my big yeah. love. And he is, um, our values are so aligned and I think the key of us continuous, continually, continuously trying to make it work and, and making it work is, is the fact that our values are so aligned. Mm. Um, again, I think that comes from that big family motto that you just naturally, like it's just such a, I don't know how to explain it, but it's like you're indoctrinated into like this big, you feel the bigness of the world and you feel also like the safety net of having yeah. so much love around you. Um, I went to like an all girls school. I was very much, I was like the school captain. Like you can, can't you just see it now? Like, oh God. <laughs> um, but, I can um, see it, yeah. Yeah, you can. I know, right. It's like love, chat, love you know, uh, it was yeah. obviously like, I think growing up in a big family, incredibly important to feel loved and be liked. So I think naturally yeah. at school, I just bent myself backwards to make sure that I, fit in with everyone and you know which kind of makes me a little sad now but at the time I loved it and I felt really really I had a really happy time at school that's great um which is good mm -hmm. um I finished school I became a really young business owner with my sister and my mom and, and another one of my business partners and friends and we opened up this awesome little shop and it was a really really happy time of my life and really really I was very proud of myself being so young and always being a go-getter um, and then I, at 24, sorry, a week before my 24th birthday, I was diagnosed with cancer, mm. which was Hodgkin's lymphoma and it was stage four, which means it was pretty advanced and mm. all through my body. So wow. it was, yeah, I know, just let that like sink in and drop yeah. for a second. It still blows me away. I'm like, huh? I think when you hear cancer, you think one spot operate, like it can move. You don't think stage four everywhere. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. I saw that PET scan, I was like, I'd never seen a healthy PET scan. So when I first saw mm. this scan, I was like, oh, okay, big whoop. And then he showed me what a normal PET scan looked like. And I was like, oh, like my jaw just dropped on the floor. I was like, oh my God. And it was, it was a crazy, crazy, crazy time of life because I'd spent a lot of my life really terrified of getting sick. It was like mm. this thought in the back of my mind that I had. I was like, oh God, like, 
I don't know, I grew up in that time where meningococcal and things like that were like really mm. big when I was a kid <laughs> and it was like just so scary to get this, yeah. you know, disease. And then I got the big C, like it happened mm. and, so, and so young. And um, it was just this moment that I just remember sitting in that doctor's office and he just delivered the worst news in the worst way. Like he was just not one of those doctors that had good bedside manner. Uh. And, he basically just said, go home and don't look at the internet, don't Google, but um, I'm a surgeon. There's not much I can do for you. I can't tell you much. I don't know anything about it. So, you know, good luck. What? Like, Someone will be in contact with you. I was like, oh, okay. And I was really fortunate that I had an incredible um, GP, Western mm. medicine mixed with an Ayurvedic doctor in my corner. And he, I called him and when I got out there, he goes, yeah, I know. I got the results on my desk. I just legally couldn't tell you until he told you mm. he and he just said um i've got you i'm gonna get you through this it's gonna be okay what are you most scared of and i just said oh, oh. and it wasn't it i just immediately just my first thought was like, i just i just want to be a mom i just if mm. i can't be a mom i don't want to live he was like okay we're gonna do everything we can to make sure that you yeah. can have your life, dream life mm. And then the, I was with my mom when this was told me, um, we honestly thought we were going to this doctor's surgery to get good news. Finally, mm. all the testing was going to prove that it was nothing and that I was fine. Mm. But I think deep down somewhere in me, I was like, this could actually end really, really badly. And yeah. this, this, I don't know if this is good news. They called me in early and I was just so scared. And anyway, my mom was with me and she just fell to pieces and I just grabbed her and I looked at her and I said, I'm going to be okay, mom. I know it. I know I'm going to be okay. Mm. And strangely, there was like, after having a thought in my back of my mind since I was a little girl to then all of a sudden that thought being realized, mm. it was a sense of relief. Mm. Of like, I now don't have to fear this anymore. Mm. I don't have to be scared of this happening. It is happening and I have control. Like mm. I, I know it feels like I'm out of control, but I can change this. I grew up in a family where my, I, I'd been given the tools in order to cope with this stuff, and yet mm. I still feared it. Mm. <laughs> I still, yeah. you know, you, we always fear the worst case scenario. Um, and I just knew in that moment there was like this sense of relief of like, I've got this. We got in the car and we went home. And then... I think that like it really started to hit me when I had to tell the people that I loved mm. telling my sister and then telling Jack um, that was a really, really, really dark moment for me having mm. to tell him um, and just seeing like his body was shaking, like literally mm. like convulsing and just like no tears, just holding onto my hand. And he straight away just wanted to like be the hero and hold mm. me. And, and, and he just, had this moment where he stepped up into another level of like mm. being there for me and taking care of me that I, mm. I don't think I even knew was in him. I was so used to being the carer and the nurturer mm. that I didn't even think I knew how to let him care for me. And then all of a sudden there was just this flip and he just got me and he caught me in that moment and he mm. let me fall to pieces and he, he just said, you're going to be okay. You're going to survive this. So I was like, I know. And I knew that I would, but, of course, there were moments in the coming months yeah. that I doubted that. And, you know, I went through that yeah. fully human experience that, you know, we talk about and, and 
I explored all of those emotions and all of those fears that come up with, mm. you know, confronting death really is what was happening. Mm. And, 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 and not just death as a human, the death of the life that I had dreamt of for myself, mm. you know, that's what you grieve in those moments. And I, I um, yeah, I continued to just put one foot in front of the other and continued to explore this journey to health and wellness that I was on. And it was a, ended up being like the most incredible journey. And mm. we use that word so much, don't we? Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> it's it a bit of a buzzword like, these days. <laughs> it's a buzzword, but it, that's the terminology I used back mm. then. And so yeah. I, it naturally comes back for me now. But it was, it was an incredible time of my life where I was forced to radically love who I am. Mm. and radically forced me to choose again. I, I now see that the things that I was doing, you know, bending myself at backwards in high school to be liked, you know, questioning myself, stre- like letting stress overwhelm me in the business um, as mm. a young business owner, um, you know, letting things affect me and holding on to them rather than speaking up and using my mm. voice, you know. I don't think it's any coincidence that this, cancer started in my neck and in my throat and mm. then went through you know my my lymph wow. system I think it's I really and I really did go into all of that and really research that and really try and understand it from an emotional spiritual point of view I think it's natural mm. um when something physical is happening I had to understand it deeper I had to mm. I couldn't just know that I had cancer I had to just try and understand why and I had to try and understand and take responsibility for why it had manifested in my life as well. And one of those things was acknowledging that that fear had, had, you know, probably opened up my, my mm. being on a cellular level for it to fight itself and for, mm. to, for my body to start attacking itself. And so, you know, these are all big wake up things and things that I kind of knew growing up or had touched on, but you kind of go, Oh, is that world real? Is that quantum? Yeah. You know, can I tap into that? You know, and the beauty of that was that I then realized my power in it. I wasn't, you know, crippled by it. I realized that I could change it. Mm. I realized that if I had created the disease, I could come back out of it and mm. create more flow and I could create more trust in my body and I could actually heal. And so that, I guess, was a huge life point pivot where I just went, right, this is not good enough. The way I think, the way I interact with the world although I'm considered a nice person and a good girl and you know I do everything right I'm not willing to just lay down and take it anymore Mm. I'm going to fight for the kind of life that I truly want and and it was yeah it was so radical for me it was so radical and I think it would be for a lot of women at 24 you know absolutely (laughs) yeah and um it's crazy because I've obviously lost my hair um, the type of chemo that I had, I had lost my hair. I had probably never felt so or looked so unsexy yet. I felt mm. probably the most beautiful and pure I'd felt probably as a, since a child. Like it was because yeah, wow. I, I lost so much of that um, vanity, mm. but I, I gained so much respect for myself and so yeah. much um love for myself that I was like holy shit dude like you can do really hard things Mm, yeah did it you know and yeah so that was a huge huge time for me where I started to really just 
honor what I wanted for myself and honor what I, uh, my values and honor who I was. And so that really drew me to the next phase of my life, which was realizing that I wanted to be a mom and I wanted to be a mom now, Yeah, <laughs> you know, but I obviously had to be patient and wait and make sure my body was strong enough to hold that baby and not fight it and, and keep, mm. you know, that. So health became like my utmost value. It was like yep. right at the top. And I, I'd always thought of consider myself a healthy person, but that changed drastically. And I really had to look at not only the food and things that I was putting into my body or how I was moving my body, but the thoughts that were, I was letting enter my mind and my body. And mm. so that then, yeah, led me into becoming a mom. So I now have a beautiful baby boy called Rupert and he is almost 14 months old. He's a very cute little dude, <laughs> very, very cheeky. Um, and yeah, which has then now set me on my next path, which is, you know, now becoming a doula and working with women to harness their own strength and power mm. and realize that all of this stuff is so connected. And, you know, for me, I think cancer was a rebirth. Yeah. It was where I even looked like a baby, literally bald and cute and round and <laughs> <laughs> all over again. But um, it's, so natural and easy yeah. and, and good for us to have this humor around these yeah. topics as well. There should be joy around these topics. Yeah. Not, we don't have to, you know, experience these these dark times with so much ooh, and like gloom and doom. Like, yeah, we can embrace these experiences with joy and gratitude mm. and truly shift how we perceive things that happen to us so mm. easily and so quickly and yet we feel so trapped by these experiences sometimes and so yeah um I truly was like this is a choice right now I have to make a choice of how I feel about this thing that's happening to me and that's going to evolve because I'm mm. human and I'm going to have an evolution around these thoughts but it was um yeah so so amazing to um realize that that rebirth prepared me for childbirth yeah and absolutely and that strength and what i learned about myself i was able to then use that tool and i think it's a t- the tools that you learn in trauma are the things you use in everyday life for the rest of your life yes that is so true hey like mm. i've noticed that working through my childhood trauma and you know my recent trauma even that mm. what i learn now translates into my everyday you can't go through trauma and not implement it in your day-to-day it absolutely becomes like your toolkit it's yes so cool (laughs) it is so so cool and so you can't not use it it just Mm. it's so natural to use it and i think that's what's so awesome because we fear the trauma but the trauma is what bloody sets us free embracing and walking into it and the fear around it yeah actually sets us free to be more joyful Absolutely. and that's the thing when you go into the dark you can only then go deeper into the light but we mm. so fear the dark we stay back here and we don't go anywhere we just stay not yeah. scared of it, you know that's so true i love that mm. Mm. so my next question is what are some of the stigmas around the word sexy that you've experienced and had to break through for yourself in order to feel like a more sexy version of you Mm. Or a more empowered version of you? I think for me, I have always been curvy and always had, you know, more, a little thicker in my thighs and my girlfriend mm. standing next to me. And 
I think that really did affect me as a young woman and made me feel less than and not as Mm. worthy and willing to take, you know, this little sad love life losses that I had as a young person um, really to heart and feel so shit about myself and so Mm. unworthy of love. And I think that really did affect me um, growing up and I, and that, so yeah, I think my body image was something that I had to question massively, but I think I actually questioned that before I fell in love. So before I met Jack, that was a big journey for me and something that I really, I just didn't want it holding me back anymore. I was like, why am I so, um, I I was felt really trapped by it and really like it caged me because it, it stopped me from doing all kinds of things because I was so scared of the rejection or so scared of somebody thinking that I was better than what I was or or whatever, you know, we have that tall poppy syndrome in our minds of like, (laughs) God, they'll just think I'm an absolute fool if I go after that guy or if I dance like (laughs) that or whatever it is. And so I knew that it had helped me back in times and I was like, no, you know, I really want this love. I want this relationship. So at 19, I kind of just, made it my mission at that time to figure out tools in how to love myself. So I had a beautiful girlfriend who gave me this journal um, and she'd gone through my uh, Facebook pictures back when we use Facebook, you know, every week there's a new profile <laughs> picture. And she went through all of my photos and had written out these, you know, beautiful comments and compliments that people had put on these photos. And we spent a lot of time together and we worked together. So if, every time she'd hear a compliment that somebody said about my outfit or my hair and, and, and it was very physical things, she wrote them down and she's like, I want you to truly hear people when they say this because people say mm. lovely things to you all the time. And yep. when you start hearing it, you're going to start receiving it and you're going to start believing it. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. And so, and it's crazy because I opened my ears and I opened my eyes and I started hearing these beautiful things that people were saying to me. And I was like, dude, you got to be crazy if you think that what mm. you go, going on in your head is the truth versus the person who's standing in front of you who you love and respect. So that was a really beautiful thing that I started to just listen and really hear what the universe and what, you know, was coming at me mm. rather than what I was putting out there. And then I just, I started to just embrace my body a little bit more. I started to dress mm. in a way that showed it off rather than hit it and, mm embrace that I was I did look different but but that was beautiful too I, I think I needed representation in my life and I think my older sister was always so beautiful at that because she's always embraced her curves and always looks incredibly beautiful and sexy yeah. in her own world she's a curve model yeah. so she's really quite gorgeous and she's fantastic I, um, she yeah, I have just awesome. always seen this and I say this with your mum a lot too but when I see her she just shows up in her full self and her full confidence mm. And honestly, she could be wearing like a sack of potatoes and she would look incredible because she's just like, Absolutely. I'm here and me. Yep. And, yep. and I mean, she's got incredible um, dresses too, but, but, but it wasn't, it wasn't the physical. It was like, she could no. honestly look so different. It was the way yeah. that she carried herself. And yeah. it's funny. I have seen that. I saw that in your mum, and I have yeah. seen that in your family. Mm. Um, yeah, it's really, it's really cool. Yeah. And so it was, it was, it's really important, I guess, to have those representations around mm. you. And, uh, you know, I did, I thought my sister was beautiful. She's like, well, if you think I'm beautiful, why can you not look in the mirror and see, you know, we get told we look alike and obviously we're very different, but you mm. know, similarities, obviously we look like we're from the same clan. Like you can tell. <laughs> 
Um, but you know, it was just that listening to the people around me who truly like forced me to question because once you start to say it out loud, people, you start to hear how ridiculous it sounds and you start to realize mm. that I would ever, ever think this or say this about anyone else. And it, mm. it just, it, just I, it was about becoming your own best friend. You know, I love Melissa mm. Rossini, how she says, you know, listen to that mean girl in your head. Yeah. And it, that was a great book for me to read as well. Cause I was like, Oh my God, that mean girl is mean. Yeah. Bitch. Yeah. You know? And I, and I just started becoming more aware of that voice and just dis- like disassociating myself to that voice and realizing that yeah. I am actually not that voice and who I am is different to what that voice is saying. Mm. Um, and then I fell in love and I, you know, found this person who loved me and saw my beauty truly for what, mm. for just being me, you know? And I remember him saying to me, he's like, it is so sexy how you embrace your body. He's like, I- I've never, he goes, I love curves, but, the girls around me, they're always so insecure about their curves. And he's like, it's mm. my favorite thing, but it's not celebrated enough. And I'm yeah. like, wow. I didn't even think that that part, the confidence was the mm. sexiest part, not the, mm. you know, not the actual Not the being, body. yeah. Yeah. Isn't yeah. it amazing too how if we don't deal with that within ourselves, we aren't necessarily going to draw in the right people for us because... Mm. And I know Caleb says this a lot, what he was really attracted to me. He's like, I get worked up. Like I get super fiery. And even mm. when I'm going at him, he's like, this is so hot. I'm <laughs> just like, yeah. wow. How? But it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going off. And he's just like the passionate, the confidence. Yeah. Like, and the way that you embrace those things. If I love things and you don't love them, it's really hard to show you that because I feel like I'm going to constantly get this oh like you don't mean it or and like the way that I show you that I love you is going to be constantly knocked down yes yes it's incredible hey it is it is but it is um I think having someone you can show all of that to and and for them to hold you in it and and allow you to be that is also incredibly Mm. sexy and Mm. incredibly eye-opening for yourself and I think that's the beauty of being someone when you're really young to you know now you know some form of a grown-up you know it's <laughs> allowing them to see you in all of it and and continuously loving the constant evolution of you it's the most yeah. awesome thing to have someone who just wants to witness you in that yeah yeah it's so good what mm. are some of the negative self-beliefs that you've had to overcome I guess we've already sort of touched on this in a physical sense mm-hmm. um and I would assume that maybe some stuff came up during your cancer journey and in preparing to become a mum and that sort of stuff. What are some of the negative self-beliefs that you've had to overcome and how did you do that? Right. Well, <laughs> I think the biggest one was challenging my version of beauty and my standard of beauty that I had um, put up there on a pedestal and I think that's so much social conditioning that allowed that to happen as well but for me that negative talk was a real constant for me Mm pre-cancer it was Mm -hmm. something that really infiltrated my mind um, on a day-to-day basis and there was a lot of comparing myself to others there was a lot of robbing myself of joy Mm. Um, I talk about that a lot um, it, it, it was as though anything that felt good or felt right, I would really 
go there and then I pull myself back straight away and take myself out of the moment Mm. and like cut that energy source off that felt so good. And I think that was because of this talk that it was just so loud. That noise can be so Mm. loud. And I, I didn't, even though I'd been taught to overcome that voice and I was aware of it, I found it really hard to shut it up some days. Mm. And it's like, some days just got longer and then it was like the week and then it went into the month. And then I think there was about a year there where I was just finding that voice really hard to check out of um, and turn off. And then I was diagnosed and I was like, right, that voice has got to shut the fuck up. It's got to go because it is doing a huge disservice to me. And to the ones I love and how I'm showing up in this world. It is, it is, it is cutting me off from being my truest version of me. And that was a big moment, I think, too, where I did start to disconnect that voice to myself of just going, oh my God, and taking responsibility for that voice and what it was causing in my life was, mm. you know, dis-ease, not only in my body, but in my actual interaction and, and flow mm. with the world. So um I could hear, I could just hear it in some ways that it was coming out. I, I wouldn't speak up for myself. I wouldn't um, say exactly how I wanted something, you know, even in the bedroom versus in a business meeting versus for dinner, I'd question even what I felt for my, that my stomach or that my, you yeah. know, my body was craving. It, it, I questioned so much about how I interacted with the world and how I showed up, but it, um, how I stopped that was literally a switch. Mm. It was just a moment where I went, no, no more. This is, I'm turning it off Mm. and I'm going down this path where self-love, positive talk, gratitude and joy is the answer to me healing myself. Yeah. And you know, and that, and it was really just being given the space to practice that. Mm. I always tell people it's like cancer was a gift, just really badly wrapped. Like it was really ugly wrapping, but inside the gift was incredible. Yeah. You know, I, I was a, um, I was, I was just living like a quarter of the percentage of my potential and my power when I was before cancer. Mm. I, I was, I was really just looked back at that girl and I don't have any, you know, animosity towards her. I have deep, respect for what she knew at that time and the best and how she was showing up but now Mm. it was like I just had to embrace this hardcore crash exam of learning and embracing all of these learnings and trying to just keep up with that learning because it felt like all of a sudden I, I was shooting towards this really incredible version of myself, but I needed to be really focused. So Mm. I could all of a sudden say no to things that didn't serve me. I could all of a sudden, um, make time for the practices and self-care rituals that I wanted to have in my life. I could all of a sudden make time to cook the food that I truly felt like. And the more that I got rid of the mess and the noise, the clearer everything came. It was all this clarity just kept coming. And I was like, why did I make this so hard? Why did I think that this was harder than the way that I was living? Yeah. Because the way that I was living was truly so much more difficult and, and more, soulless mm. than what I thought trying to you know run yeah. after this or wanting more I think even as girls we to want more it feels ungrateful yeah but 
the deeper I went into it and the deeper that I made shots that felt right for myself and called those big shots, it was like I never, I started to just not question myself. I just went, I know, I already know. Why do I think I don't know? And it's, you know, I blame a lot of that on social conditioning, but I also just blame not ever learning how or, or making the time to learn and listen to that intuition and that voice mm. that was that was already there it's just that that mean girl was so much louder yeah. than her or that negative talk was louder than her yeah but the voice underneath that was the truth was yeah that, you know, our intuition really is our superpower hey but it's so oh, yeah. it's so we have become so desensitized to it um mm. i've really noticed that lately like we've We've been doing a lot of boundary work with a you know a whole heap of different areas of our life, but Amazing. since removing all that emotional noise and that emotional heaviness, mm. we suddenly have the space to listen to our bodies, to mm. listen to us. And I am learning every day some really deep new stuff about mm. myself, and it's mm. just you know Stop my best. We know everything. Yeah, we? we know it all, and yeah. then it's like, oh my god, I've got this whole other Pandora yeah. box about myself that I didn't even know. Yeah, absolutely. And my best friends always said to me, "You've got an incredible intuition," and mm. I'm like, "Do I?" But I question mm. everything. Yeah. But then yeah. things will come up, and I'm like, "Yeah, I knew about that before it even happened." Like, mm. it's bizarre. Caleb will tell me all the time. I'll be like, "I'm pretty sure such and such is pregnant," and he's like, "Why do you think that?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I just have a feeling." And I will literally sure a week enough. later, there will be a pregnancy <laughs> announcement or there will be a, you know, an mm. engagement or something. And he's just like, you are bizarre, like creepy. But it is, it's that intuition. And when we learn to listen to it, we become empowered. It's so empowering. We totally do. Yeah. Because, and this is the thing, it's, it, this is about becoming fully human, getting to know ourselves, relishing in the fact that we are different to the person standing next to us. We are but then we all also are so connected because their own wisdom, that, you mm. know, that oneness that we f- need to really connect into at the moment is so important. But at the same time, when we are connected to that oneness, we are so, and this is what's beautiful about being a woman too, is like that intuition flows through us so naturally. And yet we quieten it, we shut it up and we say that it's not important or that it's not mm you know, it means nothing. And it's like, dude, that comes in so many different ways that intuition yeah. is just, you know, landing and we fling it off as if it's nothing. But the practice I think that we start to have when we quieten the mind and when we allow things to come into our life we are, and we start to trust ourselves is that that intuition just gets louder and we, mm. we, we know it when it comes up, we have a feeling. Now, I remember I used to get this feeling in my throat and I used to be like, Ugh, like, why is that coming up or why, you know, and push it back mm. down again. And now when it comes up, I just welcome it. And I go, yes, like, thank you for that. That's a no mm. from me. Yeah. You know, you know, and guilt was such a big one for me that I would, because mm. I would abandon my intuition and then I would feel guilty, but then I'd feel guilty for not listening to myself and for guilty for even wanting to say no to going to that party. Mm. And I was like, this is not serving me. I don't win yeah. either way. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? The only person who needs to win is this is me. And mm-hmm. in the long run, the person on the other end wins as well because yeah. I had built up this stupid resentment that was never theirs in the first place. Absolutely. That was my shit. Absolutely. That yeah. is so important. I feel like we miss that so much. It's like, mm. it's a lose lose. And it's like, no, if you win, everyone wins because yes. you build trust, you build strength, and you build a rapport. And what you don't build and, you know, relationships and stuff that leave out of that place mm. aren't serving you. 
Absolutely. And yeah, well, I, I remember, you know, learning to have to say no to going places and things like that because I had to protect my immune mm. system through chemo. And I remember saying no to something I really, really, really wanted to go to, but I knew that it was, I didn't feel right that day and I just knew it was mm. a bad call to make. And I was like, what's right for me is what's right for everyone. And this is, and I felt really guilty because it was a big deal for my friend's music career and I wanted to go and support him, but I couldn't go. I couldn't just put that wig on and pretend like nothing mm. was happening. And I had to honour that. And it was so incredible because when I rang to tell them, I was like, dude, of course, like, you're going through chemo. Like, can you <laughs> hear yourself? And I was like, yeah, shit. Like, you know, the, the expectations that we put ourselves to be yeah. perfect what does that even mean? Like, yeah. you know, it like, it's so, so unnecessary. And people, when we start to forgive ourselves, we give others the space for forgiveness as well. Yeah. You know, we don't start holding our friends up when they don't come to our birthdays because they feel shit or they're going through a breakup or whatever they're going yeah. through. We go, I know them and I know their love for me is not being questioned in this moment. Yeah. It is because they, you know, we start to trust that. Yeah. We trust that the other person's making calls that are right mm. for themselves. And then there's all that yuckiness that comes with questioning and comparing and mm. wondering what's going on. There's just none of it because you, mm. you start to trust yourself and what's going on for you. And then you start, you start to show up in your life like that. And then you just demand the other person in your life to start showing up like that too. Yeah. And that, that's when real body connection and love and unconditional love Mm. starts to take the center stage in your life and those boundaries are bloody important because they teach so how to how to treat you you know yeah. in birth for instance when you write that birth plan it's a it's a plan of how you want to be treated how you want to be cared for how you want to be loved and your boundaries and mm. then when that person can respect those boundaries flow and ease mm. and love and safety. so much safety can come from it and mm. I really believe that we're just not taught how to do that as women in, in mm. society currently. And, and I know when I have a daughter, my goodness, she will know her boundaries. That is for damn sure. She will know <laughs> how to pick them up and put them in place. You know, it's not. Yep. It's and my son, you know, all my children. Yeah. It's so important for all of us to, to, in saying that though, we need to get to our boundary to know that there needs to be one there. Yeah. We can't know that until we get there. And so yeah. we have to be so, we have to have so much love and compassion and forgiveness available in ourselves to honor that we didn't know that until we got there. Yeah. You know? And now we can make an educated decision. From yeah. There. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's the thing, hey, you often have no idea that you need boundaries until someone's crossed your boundaries. And then it's Absolutely. like, oh, that was my yeah. line. <laughs> yeah. And that intuition steps in and goes, that wasn't okay. Yeah. And what we don't listen to is that intuition a lot. And then the boundary just keeps getting hit. But that, yeah. but that's the moment right there that when that intuition steps in, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My next question. So it's around sex. So I would love to know what's your experience with intimacy, um, mm-hmm. intimacy and sex, obviously being like separate intimacy, mm-hmm. not necessarily meaning sex, yeah. um, positive, negative, pre-motherhood, post-motherhood, mm-hmm. all of that sort of stuff. The only reason I ask this question is because when I did a podcast on sex, it has been my most listened and the most thing I get questions around. And I have mm. found that we don't normalize these stories and in people's experiences. So I was like, right, we're going to ask it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I agree. I think, you know, we, we don't talk about sex and what that means to us 
as much as we should. And I think it mm. disconnects us from our bodies. And I think it's really dangerous not connecting into what we like, what we don't like, what feels yeah. safe, what doesn't feel safe. Um, I have been really actively trying to lean into that more as well in the preparation from birthing my child. Mm. Um, I was not, it was not lost on me. The fact that I have sex and then a baby comes out and then <laughs> they've got to be connected, right? Like how yeah. does it go, something go in there and then it comes back out again. And yeah. um, that, that is something that I think we need to talk about more, how linked childbirth and sex and intimacy is, is all linked together. Yeah, absolutely. How our throat is connected to our cervix. And when we are relaxed in the throat, we relax in the cervix and we can have a more really? pleasurable and joyful birth. Yeah. And then we're more, like and if we're you know relaxing and using our throat or our voice during sex it can also be more pleasurable and wonderful so you know mm. it, all of these things like this is so important for us to um, explore these topics so I'm so mm. glad you're talking about it I think it's so awesome, awesome. Um, and you know we have these conversations or we don't have them these with our girlfriends although they happen in private mm. spaces but often we don't even have these conversations with our partners and and mm. this is what's really scary is that um you know we're not even exploring that thought in our mind at, for fear of feeling yucky or dirty yeah and i'm sorry it's but boo <laughs> you have sex yeah you know? <laughs> All of, our, all of our parents had sex to get us here. You know, this yeah. is a beautiful, beautiful part of life where we get to explore mm. um, a different version of ourselves and, and show that intimacy. I think what intimacy truly is, is letting someone see us in that really vulnerable, mm. beautiful moment where we are so exposed, mm. not only physically, but I think spiritually and emotionally, I think we are really yeah. exposed to these moments too. Yeah. And, I refuse to not see it that way because I yep. can't, I can't not see the link. <laughs> um, <laughs> Absolutely. I was, I was never, Jack is my first and only person I've ever had sex with. So it's, That's awesome. you know, it's pretty awesome. We've been together for nine years this year. And um, I, my mom always taught me to really, you know, respect and value the first time. So I did, I waited and she goes, one day you're going to be 30 something sitting around a table with wine with your girlfriends and they're going to all talk about how your first time happened. I just want you to think about that before you go down that path and have it and you decide to yeah. have sex. And I'm all for women feeling empowered if they want to have sex and lots of it with lots of different people that absolutely go for it. I embrace and empower yeah. you to, you know, engage with sex in a way that feels good for you. Um, for me, it was, I guess, because of that body confidence, you know, mm. that I did not really have at that time that I was exploring for the first time. It was really important for me to feel safe, really important for me to feel that I could actually hold a conversation with this person. Yeah. And, an emotional conversation in order to get me into that vulnerable state mm. um, of being naked and, you know, somebody going inside of me for the first time, mm. all of that was really, you know, uh, like made me <laughs> pretty vulnerable and pretty yeah. scared. But I was so ready and I think I was so ready to be loved in that way by the time it happened. And I did choose the right person because it was, he was so respectful and so, loving and and loved me the way that I knew that I one deserved how to be loved that way but also mm. the way that I didn't even really know to how to be loved either it was the first time yeah um so yeah I feel really grateful that that was my first experience and then continue and I guess the thing around being with that 
first person is that fear or stigma around how do you know what you want? How do you know it's good? Or, you know, and I'd be like, oh. And so doubting myself in those moments when I, you know, listen to the noise and when I listen to that stuff makes me question myself. But when I go back inside of myself, when I go back into that vulnerable space with him, I always feel safe. I always feel cared and tended to and like I can ask for Mm. what I want and what I need. And, you know, it's, it's amazing watching how our relationship has changed in that space over the last nine years and and Mm. who I am and how I've changed and what I want and how I, uh, you know, ask for sex or all of that stuff is really incredible. And now post child, it was really interesting having sex for the first time after giving birth and feeling so strong and empowered and a mother now. And I'm somebody's mom, you know, like all of this stuff like changed and, and dealing with like that, um, uh, all those titles and and what that means and how I engage with the world and how I engage with him. And it was a really, it's been really awesome being able to constantly, um, show up as the different versions of me and still be loved in those vulnerable spaces and still be um, held and loved, you know, through it all, you know, through cancer, we weren't allowed to have sex because for fear of risk Mm. of infection and things like that. And we learned another level of intimacy, another level of friendship, you know, that a lot of people don't get to explore or experience, you know, somebody holding you while you cry and, and, uh, you know, scared of your for your future is a different level of intimacy than we explore Mm. you know being naked and being in those spaces so there's so much that I think that we went through into that darkness and into that you know um trauma together and holding hands and the fact that we could stick it out through that time and really go there and 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 learn about each other in a different way I think has allowed us to open up and have better sex and more incredible connection in that space because of that um, intimacy and friendship that we learned Mm. and engaged in while sex was off the table. Yeah. Um, And, and another big thing I think through that time was asking for my needs to be met mentally and um, emotionally as well through that time was incredibly important for me to be able to feel safe enough to go there afterwards, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. It was, huge so explore that intimacy with our friends we can explore it with our family and you know we can explore it with our lovers but I think they can all play that role of intimacy within our lives at different stages and yeah I felt I felt crazy intimacy with my girlfriends that Mm. I you know I'm really fortunate and feel really grateful to have explored and experienced and and then again with my family and seeing my moments of you know, deep vulnerability and, and um, even just, you know, the ability to laugh and be vulnerable. And you know that moment where you're laughing, real ugly laughing, where you're like <laughs> losing your breath, you know, that's intimacy too. Like yeah. there's the joy, the scared, the fear, yeah. the sadness, like there's all of it. And it all, I think, needs to be explored a little bit more in how we can use our bodies to ex- like to feel sensuality as well yeah that laughter and that you know the way we engage with the world there, there's a ways of feeling that sensuality within ourselves mm. putting a beautiful new dress on and feeling really sexy you know all of that stuff that or clean sheets that feeling where you roll in the bed yes. but we deny ourselves of even exploring that sensuality 
that's a way of engaging with the world. There's so much that we mm. don't you know. That feeling when you eat your favorite meal and it hits your mouth for the first time, you're like, oh, that's sensuality. <laughs> that's that's intimacy, meaning and and using our bodies to explore the world. Sex is just another version of that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. What is something that you think women need to hear more of? I think we need to hear more from women from other women women need to hear from other women how Mm -hmm. wonderful they are and what each other sees in each other i really love i have friendships in my life because i truly show up for them yeah how i show up for myself which is big because that it's it's I see myself in the way through the lens of other women a lot of the time. And so when I'm showing up for the other women in my lives, when I truly see them and celebrate them, I give myself permission to celebrate myself. Mm. I go, you're fucking wonderful. You are mm. so loving. You are so, you're, the way you nurture and interact with the world. When I see you succeed, it makes me want to strive for better. It makes, you know, we're so, we're such a jealous. Mm. <laughs> um, oh Yeah. Uh, Women can be so jealous and competitive and I, the, when I've seen the most success and when I've had the most joy in my own friendships and my own female friendships is when I truly show up for them, love them as they are and celebrate them. Yeah. And that is because I had a mother that did that for me and her daughters mm. and I had a sister's who were taught by that mother to connect like that. A lot of us don't have that from our mothers, but yeah. mothers need to be seeing their daughters and loving them and truly loving them at who they, for who they are, not yeah. who they want them to be. And we talk mm. a lot about, you know, in, in my world about the red thread and that, you know, that mother and that grandmother that come before us or the aunties, everyone is so deeply connected. And I don't know if you know this, but when women are pregnant with their daughters, they are already carrying their eggs. So their daughter's eggs inside them. So they're technically carrying their grandchildren because their reproductive system is, yeah. So their reproductive systems are already created and their eggs are already inside of them when they're birthed. So it's really amazing when we realize that Mm. if I was pregnant with my daughter, you know, I would be holding my grandchildren and leaving that mark. And so it's really like to understand that generational, that stuff that passes down. It's no wonder we literally are connected in, you know. Yeah. That explains so way. much around what we were talking about earlier around like, if you've had traumatic experience, like if your mom had a traumatic birthing experience or your grandma and like, that's what you've known that that's what you carry into it. If yeah. you are so like physically connected to them through that way, then that, yeah. Heck. Yeah. I know. So it's mind blowing when you realize this stuff and realize that, you know, no wonder I interact with the women in my life like that. No wonder mm. I hate my boss. She reminds me of my mother or my auntie who represents that same figure to me. So mm. we really need to heal these wounds that our, the females in our lives have left or caused and realize that they're actually a representation of how we interact with the world mm. as a woman and, yeah. and healing that feminine energy and, and embracing that, you know, we, that intuition is is divinely feminine that is truly Mm. our wisdom and yet we are so disconnected from it in so many ways and and it's about coming back into flow moving our bodies i think women just need to get 
back in touch with themselves and yeah. and start yeah radically loving um, being a girl. I hear so many people yeah. hate being a girl. Yeah, like, wow, <laughs> you are so powerful. You bring yeah. life into this world. Like you are the real deal. Like without you, there's no one. You know, like it's yeah, so so incredible. So yeah, I, I really um. It is such I, a privilege. I, I this women and trans women to embrace like being woman and what that means mm. so yeah. yeah for sure finish this sentence i feel mm. sexy when truly i think i feel the sexiest when i'm having a conversation like this mm. like yeah. deep connected soul conversations with yeah. somebody who allows me to be fully me and do you know what I pretty much feel like that in every corner of my life these days because I do own who I am. I feel really me and I feel really um, human. Yeah. And I love that. I love that version of me. I love the version of me that has compassion and forgiveness for myself and the version of me that also rocks up with my big earrings and, (laughs) you know, my, my, crazy dress sense and I just love being that I love being all of that and yeah so that's when I feel sexiest that's awesome Charlotte thank you so much I have loved chatting to you and this has been so awesome if people want to find you or say hi where can they find you I have a personal page where I post cute photos of my baby and that's (laughs) my name which is Charlotte Squires but my doula page is now live, which is called The Living Doula. Yes. Yeah. need to check so, that out. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Come on over and listen to me talk about, you know, the incredible transition that is childbirth um, mm. and, and becoming a mom. So, yeah, there's the two places where you can come and chat to me. Perfect. I'd love to hear from you. Beautiful. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on here and I look forward to chatting to you so soon. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Ray. It's been so lovely. Babe, thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the I Am Sexy podcast. I hope you loved this chat as much as I did. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. I promise this podcasting amateur improves. And to leave a review, every little bit that you, my beautiful tribe, do to support me and to show me your love means the world. So thank you so much again for tuning in. I'll see you the same time next week for another sexy chat. Bye.